Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is a first-of-its-kind ruling. The Colorado Supreme Court determining that former President Donald Trump is ineligible to be on Colorado's Republican primary ballot next year because of his efforts to overturn uh, that 2020 election. The court accepted the argument that Trump engaged in insurrection in violation of the 14th Amendment. Uh, Lawsuits like this have come before courts in seven states, but this is the first time that President Trump has been uh, deemed ineligible for office. But as you can imagine, This is not the final word. The Trump campaign adding that they will swiftly appeal this ruling. Yeah, it is historic. And one of the reasons it's historic, not only has it never been done before for like a minor candidate, it's being done now for a guy that's running away with the nomination for one of the two major parties and is leading in most polls if the presidential election were held today. So it's pretty historic, I'd say. Andrew Cherkasky joins us. He's a former federal prosecutor and military veteran uh, with decades of experience in law. And you might see him as a trusted legal expert on CNN, Fox News, many other places. He has contributed national editorials for the USA Today, The Hill. He has been cited for his expertise in The New York Times, The Washington Post, Vice, Newsweek, The Associated Press, and many more. So just all around... Well-liked and respected guy, I guess. Andrew, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. How are you doing? Well, thank you so much for having me, and what a nice introduction. Yeah, well, let's, uh, no problem. And let's start with, because the ruling is Trump can't be on the Republican primary ballot. Well, he's he's going to win the nomination, likely, even without Colorado. So why is this a big deal? Well, it's a big deal for all sorts of reasons, because it it, uh, ultimately sets a uh, tremendous precedent that uh, establishes that Colorado is essentially able to hold uh, what I see as a a mini trial 
determine whether the uh, electorate of our great country are able to uh, vote a certain person into office or whether that's going to be something that we leave to state court uh, judges to decide. And this is not just for President Trump. This is for the future of our country. Well, right. And the, the the why it's going to be a big decision from the Supreme Court when they take this up, which I you believe they'll take it up, correct? Oh, they, they have to take this up. I mean, this is a, a major issue that affects uh, everybody in the state of Colorado. So uh, in the, the state Supreme Court of Colorado uh, are, are forecasting the Supreme Court will take this up and they'll do so very quickly. There are many issues uh, and many different ways for the Supreme Court to slice and dice this decision. And so it has yet to be seen how they are going to approach it. Um, but I certainly think they will uh, address this very quickly. But the Supreme Court could rule in such a way that it keeps other states from doing this and states from trying to keep Trump off the ballot for the general election, correct? Right. So the way that the Supreme Court could approach this could merely be that they could uh, look at what Colorado did and say that they followed uh, the appropriate legal standards in doing so, or what I think is more likely, they could come back and simply say that there was some sort of violation of due process or that the uh, third clause of the 14th Amendment doesn't say what the state of Colorado said that it says. They could also use this as the opportunity to make rulings on big issues like whether President Trump had immunity for his actions and conduct uh, related to January 6th. That's been something that has gotten a lot more attention with regard to the Washington, D.C. federal trial. And Jack Smith has re- recently asked that the Supreme Court take up that issue uh, straight away and skip over the D.C. appellate court on that issue. That's a major issue that would affect the ability for Jack Smith to be able to prosecute him uh, and really uh, potentially quash all of the pending prosecutions, except for those happening uh, potentially in the state of Georgia. But even that could go away um, if the Supreme Court uh, issues a ruling that's broad enough based solely even on this uh, Colorado case. I'm trying so hard to not let the my wishes be the father of my thoughts on on this issue uh, from a legal standpoint. And I'm not a lawyer, but um, I just feel like the only way out of this ultimately is letting, you know, roughly 160 million people vote, knowing everything they know about Donald Trump on whether or not they want him to be president on, on as opposed to. A handful of lawyers in Colorado or somewhere making a decision of whether or not Trump is president. As as you've pointed out, uh, Congress had a swing at it with impeachment on this very issue, did not impeach and remove him on this very issue. And Jack Smith, am I correct? Jack Smith has not charged him with insurrection. Uh, that's exactly correct. And I think that you make an interesting point about uh, not letting your own personal politics get in the way of your opinions about what the Colorado Supreme Court is doing here or really what any of these uh, various prosecutions uh, do in terms of your opinion. You could be against President Trump but still believe that the process that's being held against him is unfair or improper because when you really play it out, you know, when it's the next uh, the next election, when it's other parties flip-flopping the same precedent, is this what we want for our country in the future? And so I think that what we have to look at is when we look at January 6th and we look at the outrage that the left has over January 6th, and, and there's a lot to be upset about, about Absolutely. what happened on January 6th. Absolutely. Do, do you take what happened there and, and turn it into a legal question that uh, effectively changes the political 
framework of our country for the for hundreds of years down the road. That's where I have issues with things, because I, I think that an American president has an immense amount of uh, ability to do all sorts of grave harm to our country. But that's really a political question, like the uh, the idea that the president has the, the ability to push the nuclear button. You know, how do we second guess those decisions that presidents make in times of war? Do we leave that up to state court judges to decide in next election cycles whether they're offended by what somebody did in their past presidency and then keep them off the ballot? So we have to have very clear standards, and the Supreme Court's going to get deep in on this, and I think set precedent that will hopefully uh, protect candidates in parties on both sides in every state for years and years to come yeah i'm i'm concerned that if we head down this road for instance the state of texas could go through some legal gymnastics and decide you know uh uh, joe biden shouldn't be on the ballot probably wouldn't happen this time around but down the road when we get used to this sort of thing decide you know this democratic president shouldn't be on the ballot they violated their oath of office by not securing our border so they shouldn't be on the ballot and then just you know we'll have different states doing it with different candidates well one of the examples that i like to use is the outrage that many on the right and i think uh, without regard to politics about how joe Biden handled the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And Mm. you can say that his withdrawal perhaps was negligent and directly led to the death of 12 Marines on the eve of of them them leaving. And you could say from a legal perspective that that's negligent homicide, that he acted without uh, proper due care and without proper uh, military uh, strategy, and it ended these, these Marines' lives when he did so. So when he leaves office, do we want the special prosecutor coming in and prosecuting him for negligent homicide, saying that he didn't uh, follow the the strategy of military advisors in a in a proper fashion, and that he had uh, deviated from his oath of office when he did so. That's the sort of example that I can put out there. And there's there's dozens and dozens of other presidents who have committed you know uh, boneheaded errors along the way. Do we go back and prosecute them for their acts while they were in office just because it led to the uh, the death of of certain military members, or because uh, it, perhaps even secret ops that were conducted that that were uh, special forces killed individuals uh, in other countries. You know, we have to be very careful before we start prosecuting presidents and and prohibiting them from uh, allowing the electorate to make decisions about whether they should serve in public office. So it's a, I understand a two hundred page opinion. This Colorado case is that correct? It's 200 pages, and it is tortured in some regards. There's also some really interesting commentary from the dissenting uh, justices, all of whom are democratically uh, appointed uh, individuals. And when I say democratically, I mean appointed by Democrats, not through a uh, democratic process. Um, There is some uh, very strong critique, even uh, from Democrat-appointed justices. There's also some really interesting kind of deep-in-the-weeds critique of how the trial took place, because the trial judge here who made a decision, not beyond a reasonable doubt and not with a jury of, of Donald Trump's peers, but used the January 6th findings of the highly partisan congressional uh, um, uh, committee to uh, to influence the decision that 
an insurrection took place. That would typically be considered hearsay testimony. So you're you're using the congressional opinions and, and political stunts uh, in order to ultimately convict President Trump in a trial court in the state of Colorado for insurrection. That doesn't really add up. As a trial lawyer, uh, that would never usually take place in a court of law and is just one of many uh, more nuanced issues about how the Colorado courts have handled this in a way that I just think is, is pretty obviously unconstitutional. The, the Colorado court disagrees with me on that, of course, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see what the Supreme Court says. So... Uh, let's get into the timing of what could happen here. Uh, how, how do you expect? So we're, we're voting in 25 days. They're caucusing, rather, in Iowa in like 25 days. And, uh, you know, so so actual ballots will be cast and we'll work our way down toward getting a nominee. But when is the Supreme Court likely to take this up? And how long will it take them to make a decision, would you guess? Well, the, the Colorado Supreme Court has uh, effectively given the parties until January 4th to get their appeals into the uh, the United States Supreme Court. Um, and after that, starting on January 5th, the Colorado Supreme Court has effectively said, well, if the U.S. Supreme Court issues a stay, well, then this issue will be stayed and Donald Trump will remain on the ballot while the Supreme Court takes this up. If the U.S. Supreme Court does not issue a stay by then, then the uh, Secretary of State in Colorado will start removing his name from the the ballots. Apparently, the ballots in Colorado are printed on January 5th. So I think that we're going to hear something from the Supreme Court by January 5th uh, indicating a stay on this decision. Now, when they hear this issue is interesting. They've got a term that's uh, about to begin. That term runs through the end of June, and decisions uh, come in throughout that time, generally kind of up to the last minute in June. Now, there's all sorts of ways the, the U.S. Supreme Court could decide this. They could decide this summarily. This could be a 9-0 decision that's, it, that's uh, done in writing. Um, they decide not to take it up for technical reasons. Um, so there, there could be kind of a summary decision. They could also want to hear oral arguments and turn this into a, a big show and, and make this one of the decisions that really kind of uh, takes all the way until the end of June to hear about. I think one of the things that will determine that is whether they consider the Colorado Supreme Court decision for just some uh, some narrow due process uh, questions or for an interpretation of Clause 3 of, of Article 14 of the, uh, uh, of the 14th Amendment, excuse me, of the Constitution, or whether they uh, take on some of these bigger issues like I was talking about, like the immunity issue or First Amendment issues. Um, those types of decisions, those types of questions would affect, like I said earlier, all of the uh, various prosecutions against Donald Trump, not just these 14th Amendment questions. And that's something that I think they would uh, likely push all the way until the end of June if they wanted to be, you know, if they wanted to take as global of an approach as possible. Would you expect, because there are a handful of other states that have looked at this, now, like Minnesota recently, their Supreme Court decided, nah, we're not, we don't, we don't agree, uh, which was kind of surprising to some. Then a handful of states have, have tossed the case out. Do you think other states are going to move this direction before the Supreme Court will get around to ruling on it? I think that the other courts will uh, make decisions as well. Um, now, the Colorado decision isn't going to be binding on other states' decisions, right. but state Supreme Courts uh, do look at what other states do 
in mm-hmm. non-binding type of precedent uh, perspective. So I do think that this will influence some other courts. I mean, these are uh, uh, justices from the, the state of Colorado who are well regarded in the legal community, at least by uh, many. And so whether other uh, Supreme Court judges in other states will look at this, I think it's very likely. And I think they're, they're going to look at these individuals as educated and, and preeminent legal scholars and uh, likely take up at least some of their arguments. Now, others... Will I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we're going to have to take a break. Andrew, Andrew Cherkasky sure. uh, joining us. Hey, Andrew, I hope we can have you on again. We really like the cut of your jib, and we've been looking oh. for a, a, a law expert to have on on a regular basis on these kind of cases. So really appreciate your time today. Always my pleasure. Thank you so much. You betcha. Armstrong and Getty. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. 